Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope today's message encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy today's message. You know, we've been in our series called Making Room, and today we're going to continue on in that series. And I believe that God has a good word for us today. So let's begin our time together in the same way that we always do, by honoring the word of God. Our key passage today is Galatians 5, verses 16 to 25. And I want us to read this from the Passion Translation. I love the way this is worded. It says, let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are, number one, your self-life and the flesh. Number two, the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. Now, we need to pay attention to this uh, because there's something in this list that we all can relate to. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments. How often do we have senseless arguments? (laughs) Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, God help us, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Okay, now we need to pay attention to this as well. As we're in this series called Making Room, we ask ourselves, what are we making room for? We're making room for the fruit and the life of the Spirit. Here's what that looks like. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. If the Spirit is the source of our life, we must allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. Bow your heads and let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. God, we are hungry for a word from you. And we declare today that our hearts are good ground for your word. Come and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. 
Well, we've kicked off the new year with this series, Making Room. And we've talked about making room for God's voice and God's word and making room, you know, for God's heart for us. Last week, if you missed it, you need to go back and watch it because we discovered that one way that we make room is by allowing God to heal the father wounds in our heart. And today, I want us to take a look at making room through repentance. Now, I know this word of repentance can be triggering to some people. Uh, There's a lot of things that can pop into your head when you hear the word repentance. I grew up in the South, going to church in the Bible Belt, and every year we would have revivals and bring in these evangelists, and they had these thick Southern accents where you almost needed like subtitles to know what they were saying. And they were so passionate about the Word of God, so they would yell when they were preaching, and if they had hair, it would be flapping on their head and spit would be flying everywhere. And they always preached on repentance. So when we say the word repentance, that's what comes into my mind. Now, I don't know what comes into your mind whenever I say repentance, but today I want all of us together to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and to de-trigger and de-stigmatize this word of repentance for us. Okay, when you hear Hear this word. I don't want you to feel angst or guilt any longer. I want us to have a deeper understanding of the word. And we're going to focus on this today because repentance is an important part of the life of a believer. We all need to repent, all of us, and especially, especially those of us living in Southwest Florida during season. And you know what I'm talking about. If you're driving out on these roads with all these people, chances are there's something in your heart that you need to repent of. There may or may not have been some inappropriate words spoken or some inappropriate gestures. And that's just for me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we all need to repent. Repentance is an important part of the spiritual life of a believer. In fact, Jesus opened up a lot of his sermons by saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, John the Baptist preached on repentance. All throughout the Pauline epistles uh, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he, he spoke to the church, the followers of Christ, and he encouraged them to repent. So I want us to take a look at this word for repent in the New Testament. This is the Greek word metanio, which means to think differently or to change one's mind. Okay, so repentance is a change of mind. And I want you to understand that today. I want that to sink in. You know, I want you to know that repentance just simply means to change your mind. So when Jesus was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, he was saying we need to change our minds when it comes to sin. We need to see sin the way that God sees sin. God hates sin. Why does he hate sin? Well, it's because of the pain and the destruction that it causes in our lives. 
So we repent of sin. We come out of agreement with it. We, we, we come into agreement with God about it. We change our minds about sin. And that's repentance. It's a change of mind. Now, some of you might be saying, okay, that's a great start to repentance, but there really needs to be a change of heart. Like we really need to change our heart when we repent. And that's a great thought. But the reality is that we do not have the ability to change our hearts. That's impossible. We cannot change the heart of man. Listen, women have been trying to change the heart of man for centuries now. And ladies, we've proven it. It can't be done. It's impossible. Only God can change the heart of man. Only God. But God gives us the ability to change our minds. And if we'll change our minds, God will change our hearts. And that is repentance. All right, so repentance might look something like this. You're sitting in church on a Sunday, Pastor Josh is preaching, or you're sitting in your group during the week, and the Holy Spirit begins tugging on your heart. And he starts to show you some things in your heart and your life that no longer fit with the new life that God has for you. In those moments when he does that, we need to repent of those things in order to make room for the new life that he has for us. Paul speaks to this in the passage that we just read in Galatians 5, verses 24 and 25. He said, keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus Christ have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. If the Spirit is the source of our life, we must allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. And I want to ask you today to think about that for a moment. Are you allowing the Spirit to direct every aspect of your life? Have you given him permission to do that? If we allow God, if we allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives, then he's going to show us the things from our self-life that no longer fit in our new life that he has for us. And Paul really goes into great detail in describing what that looks like, the self-life, as he calls it. In verses 19 to 21, he uses a lot of details for this, and I think it's because he wants us to recognize it in our own hearts. He uses words like sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, senseless arguments, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, uncontrolled addictions, and the list goes on and on. So what does that mean for us today? What does that look like for us? Well, that means that the way you executed business deals in the past might not fit into the new life that God has for you. He has a new way for you to do business now. It means for some of you, you know, the unforgiveness of the past or the unclean websites or the little lies, the outbursts of anger, the pride, only thinking of yourself, all these things, that's a part of our past life. That's a part of our self-life. And the Holy Spirit shows us these things not to condemn us. The Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he shows us these things not to condemn us, but to set our hearts 
hearts free. He shows us these things so that we can repent about it and we can change our minds and we can remove it from our lives. Now, it's very important for you to understand this today. I want you to understand what he's not telling you to do. He's not telling you to just try harder to be a perfect Christian. He's not telling you to strive in your own strength to be perfect. He's not telling you, you just need to be more disciplined or you just need to be a better Christian, you know, apart from the spirit. No, that's not what he's saying. Listen, that is legalism and that is not the heart of God for you. Apart from the spirit of the living God, we cannot overcome our flesh. So God is not asking you to do the work of the Holy Spirit. So everybody can just take a deep breath. We can just release that, right? He's not asking you to do the work of the Holy Spirit. He's just asking you to do your part. He's just asking you to change your mind. And if you change your mind, God will change your heart. And he'll give you victory over the flesh. And he'll give you victory over those strongholds. Why? Because repentance is a change of mind. Now, a common misconception with repentance is that it only happens in the moment when you give your life to Christ and you receive salvation. Now, this initial repentance is a pivotal moment in the, the spiritual formation of a believer. Okay, it's, a, it's an important moment for us. But what we often don't realize is that it shouldn't stop there. Repentance is an ongoing process. It's reoccurring in our life. This is a rinse and repeat kind of a situation. You see, because repentance is very closely tied to discipleship. You know, last year, we saw so many salvations. We watched as the Spirit of God drew 600 people to give their hearts and lives to Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. All glory to God. And I want you to know that discipleship is a high priority for us. It is. You know, Pastor Mike talked about it earlier. We just launched our spiritual growth track that's on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. starting next week. And you can jump in at any point. We also have all these different groups that you can plug into, 70 different groups that you can plug into. Um, but, and, and I believe that you could plug into any one of our groups and you're going to grow in discipleship. So discipleship is a high priority for us. Why? Why is it so important for us? It's because we all need to grow in our faith. We never stop growing in our faith. I don't care how many years you've walked with Jesus. We all need to grow in our faith. And repentance is closely tied to spiritual growth. They're kind of glued together. So we need to continue to grow, which means we need to continue to repent. Repentance is an ongoing thing. A while back, 
um, the circumstances of my life changed and it really brought my flesh to the surface and some flesh that I didn't know was there. And the Holy Spirit immediately said, hey, there's no room for this in the new life that I have for you. So I repented and I said, God, I come out of agreement with those thoughts and those attitudes and Lord, I trust you. You are directing my life and I meant it, you know, so I repented and my heart felt better. Well, a little while later, my heart started racing again and I could hear my thoughts and they were not lining up with the spirit of God. And I wrestled with my flesh in this. You know, I felt like a pendulum swinging back and forth between like repentance and genuine repentance. You know, I meant what I was saying, but I think there was just more flesh beneath the surface that needed to be dealt with. So I would swing back and forth between repentance and then dealing with this flesh that was popping up. So finally, I went into my prayer closet one day and I said, I'm not coming out of here until my flesh is crucified. And so I humbled my heart and I began to repent of every aspect of my self-life that the Holy Spirit brought up. Every aspect. I repented of all of it. And then I just sat there in the presence of the Lord. I prayed, I worshiped, but I didn't move from that place until finally, finally, I felt God beginning to change my heart. And when I knew that God was changing my heart, I knew that I had victory over the flesh. You know, I share this with you today. You know, I don't like sharing it. I mean, I kind of wrestled with even sharing it with you. It's embarrassing. It didn't happen when I first got saved. This happened recently. But I share this with you today because I want you to know that we are never exempt from repentance. Like, you might as well become best friends with repentance because until we get to heaven, we're going to be repenting. All right. So... You know, recently I learned that evangelist George Whitfield would take a personal inventory every night. And I love this. Every day he would pray and he would search his heart and see if there's anything that he needed to repent of. And I want to share some of this with you, some of his daily repentance inventory. Because I think this is a great example for us of ongoing repentance. All right, repenting of pride. Have I looked down on anyone? Have I been too stung by criticism? Have I felt snubbed and ignored? If so, repent like this. Consider the free grace of Jesus until I sense A, decreasing disdain since I'm a sinner too, and B, decreasing pain over criticism since I should not value human approval over God's love. In light of his grace, I can let go of the need to keep up a good image. It is too great a burden and now unnecessary. I reflect on free grace until I experience grateful, restful joy. Isn't that good? Let's do another one. Repenting of anxiety. Ask yourself this. Have I avoided people or tasks that I should face? Have I been anxious and worried have I failed to be circumspect or have I been rash and impulsive? If so, repent like this. Consider the free grace of Jesus until there is A, no cowardly avoidance of hard things since Jesus faced evil for me. 
and B, no anxious or rash behavior since Jesus' death proves that God cares and will watch over me. Listen, it takes pride to be anxious, and I recognize that I am not wise enough to know how my life should go. Amen. I reflect on free grace until I experience calm thoughtfulness and strategic boldness. All right, I want us to do one more. Repenting of ungodly motivations or ungodly motives. Ask yourself this, am I doing what I do for God's glory and the good of others? Or am I being driven by fears, need for approval, love of comfort and ease, need for control, hunger for acclaim and power, or the fear of other people? Whew, if you can't say amen, you can say oh my. Am I looking at anyone with envy? Am I giving in to even the first motions of lust or gluttony? Am I spending my time on urgent things rather than important things because of these inordinate desires? If so, repent like this. Consider how the free grace of Jesus provides me with what I'm looking for in these other things. Pray, O oh Lord Jesus, make me happy enough in you to avoid sin and wise enough in you to avoid danger, that I may always do what is right in your sight. In your name I pray, amen. We need to check our hearts daily in much the same way that we end every service here at Ocean. We pray and we say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? We need to do that and just say, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that I need to repent of? Repentance is an ongoing process. All right, I want to leave one final thought with you today about repentance, and that's this. Repentance embraces truth and grace. Truth and grace. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. It says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Now, this is a strong warning. And friends, we are living in the day and age that he's talking about here. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, there will always be a temptation for you to try to justify your sin and not repent of it. There can be a false comfort in that. And I want to encourage you, don't fall into that trap. In times when the Spirit is drawing you and calling you to repentance, the world, your flesh, and the devil will all be bombarding you with lies to try to support your sin and justify it and keep you from fully repenting. And I want you to know that there might be a temptation for you to only partially repent but not fully repent, and that is a tactic of the enemy. In fact, during these moments of repentance, you need to be so careful of the voices that you're listening to. Listen, there will always be people in your life who agree with your sin. Always. The enemy will make sure of that. Friends, 
podcasts, even spiritual leaders can help you to justify your sin. That's what he's talking about in this verse. He's saying, you know, if you look hard enough, you're going to find voices that tell you what you want to hear. And they don't want you to repent because that means that they would have to repent of the sin in their life. And they're not ready for that. So in these moments of repentance, we need to vet the voices that are speaking into our life. We need to vet the advice that we're receiving during this time. Listen, even from therapists, okay? I don't care who it is. Your heart is in a vulnerable place in that moment. The Holy Spirit is convicting you. The enemy is attacking you. Your heart is in a vulnerable place. And so in these moments of repentance, when the Spirit is drawing us, we need to vet the voices that are speaking into our life. And we do this by asking the question, is this leading me to the foot of the cross? Is it leading me to the foot of the cross? Because here's the thing. People can even take scripture and distort it and twist it to try to justify our sin. So we ask ourselves, is this leading me to the foot of the cross? Listen, truth will always lead us to the foot of the cross. But there at the foot of the cross, we find grace. And that's good news for us today. Guys, that's good news. All right, let's talk about grace. We've talked about truth. Let's talk about grace. Every time we come to God in repentance, he meets us with his grace. Every time. When I was a child, um, I got in trouble more than once or twice. I'm going to, you know, tell the truth and shame the devil. Um, There were some times when my parents were called into the principal's office because of things that I had done. And I was living for myself and I was, you know, rebellious in that time. But then I, I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ and everything changed. I mean, God radically transformed my life. And in my high school years, I was in love with Jesus. So from that point on, it was rare for my parents to have to correct me. And one time when I was in high school, after school, I went to a friend's house, and I stayed later than I was supposed to, and I didn't call my mom to let her know that I was going to be late. Teenagers don't ever do this, okay? Um, So when I came home late, my mom was upset, as she should have been. I disobeyed. But instead of owning up to it and apologizing, I argued with her, and I defended my actions. So we had this argument, and I went to my room, and I was feeling angry and rebellious, and all these, all these thoughts were swirling around in my head that were trying to justify my actions. And immediately, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Angie, this doesn't fit in the new life that I have for you. This rebellion lashing out in anger, this doesn't fit in your new life. And he reminded me of the verse that says to honor your father and your mother. So I humbled my heart, I repented to the Lord, and I went into the kitchen to apologize. And I said, Mom, I'm, and I didn't even have a chance to say the word sorry, and she lunged across the room and she gave me a big hug. This is a picture of the grace of God. 
This is what happens when we repent. Every time we come to God in repentance, he meets us with his grace. He wraps his arms around us. You need to know that. Listen, we don't ever have to be afraid of truth with our loving heavenly father. We don't have to be afraid of truth because truth will lead us to the foot of the cross. But there at the foot of the cross, we find grace. God's grace meets us as we repent. All right, so repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is an ongoing process, and repentance embraces both truth and grace. Bow your heads. I want to pray for you. I want every person to ask God right now, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? Is there anything that I need to repent of? Thank you, Lord. I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. I think there's some of you that there's things popping into your heart and mind. And so I want us to repent together. If you're a follower of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is showing you something that you need to repent of, I want you just to be in agreement with me as I pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace that is meeting me in this moment. That's wrapping its arms around me. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, I confess this sin. I I don't want you to say it out loud, but just in your mind, go ahead and say it. Don't candy coat it. Just say it. God, I confess this sin to you. And Lord, I repent. I come out of agreement with it. I change my mind about it. And God, would you change my heart? Change my heart, Lord, that I would have victory over this today. I cast off the lies of the enemy. I cast off the strongholds of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that as I've made room through repentance, I pray that you would come and fill me with the fruit of the Spirit. Fill me with the life of the Spirit today. In Jesus' name. Now keep your heads bowed for a moment longer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you have never received salvation, we want you to have an opportunity to do that. If if you've never said yes to God, This is a free gift of salvation, and I want you to have that opportunity. If you're here, God's tugging on your heart, and you want to say yes to God, raise your hand nice and strong so I can see it. I want to know who to pray for today. I want to pray for you to receive salvation. You can put it up and then put it right back down. Thank you. Yep, I see that. Thank you. Yep, I see those hands. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to give you, yep. I see that hand. Thank you. Yep. Okay. If you just raised your hand, I want you to know that as you make this decision to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are being welcomed into the family of God. So I want all of the family of God, everybody that's here, I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus... I bring you my life. Thank you that you died for my sins. 
that your blood covers my sins. I repent of my sins now. I change my mind about sin and come out of agreement with it. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I recognize you are the Son of God. God sent you to take my sin and I receive your forgiveness. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that I'm now a part of the family of God and I am loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or would like to connect with us, visit us at oceanchurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.